What is this picture on the screen? The Mona Lisa. Who is she? Nobody really knows. It's a painting, but they're not exactly sure uh, who, we know who did the painting, but not sure who his model was. Uh, there's a couple of speculations. Who was the painter? Leonardo da Vinci. When did he paint this? <laughs> More than 500 years ago. More than 500 years ago, on a smooth piece of wood, he started painting this. It took him a couple years. He did lots and lots of coats. Uh, art experts and historians are still amazed by the magnificent artistry of this small painting. It's not really very big. I've never seen it in person. My dad has. He was quite disappointed because it was so small. My mom was thrilled because she got to see the Mona Lisa. And those of you who know them, you, that fits, right? Uh, but look, at intense magnification, and under specialized x-ray, they have discovered, can you pop that up? The arrow key, yeah. Then uh, they have 30 coats of clear on top of the layers of paint. And so that's what gives it that smoky texture. Now, uh, they have found cracks in the wood because it's 500-year-old painting. But they cannot find even one brush stroke in this painting. With intense magnification and x-rays that can separate it into 30 or more layers, they cannot find a single brush stroke. They've been studying it for a long time, and they have no clue how he did it. It's an engineering, and it's an artistic Marvel. As they stare at it and learn from it, they see the evidence of the master. But they don't know how he did it. In Ephesians 2.10, God said that we are his workmanship. We are his creation. We are his masterpiece. And you can see the evidence of the master in each of us because we are created in the image of God. And because the Holy Spirit of God is inside us, guiding us and strengthening us and directing us. And God has called each of us into ministry. Some do it in one specific place. Some do it in a bunch of different places. But you have been called to a mission that seems beyond you, but through his power, it is not. Have you ever watched the show Mission Impossible. I don't mean the movies with Tom Cruise. I mean the classic old shows, you know. Uh, well, uh, we now have not a mission that's impossible, but a mission possible. It's possible because we walk with the Lord. So for the next several Sundays, we're going to be looking at uh, the mission that God has called us to and, and the burden that we have to, to love and follow and serve the Lord. And, and uh, so we're going to be doing a series of messages on your mission in life. And so we're going to start this by looking at John chapter 15 and at the fact that God wants you to have a fruitful life and ministry, a fruitful life and ministry. 
Now, my plan is this morning uh, that we'll conclude the message time uh, a little bit earlier than I normally conclude a message, and, and then I'm going to take a couple of minutes to share with you uh, about Rose Armenta, who went to be with the Lord, and, and uh, Rose's family has not scheduled a memorial service, so we just wanted to take a few minutes this morning to, uh, to celebrate her life and the fact that she's with the Lord now. But God wants you to have a fruitful life and ministry. So are you in John 15? Uh, we're going to look in John 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 11. Okay? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that you may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Pause right there. Rewind. Without me, you can do very little. Without me, you can do less than you could if you were with me. No, he says, without me, you can do what? Nothing. 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 Without me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, uh, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Father, we pray that you would speak into our hearts this day, that you would encourage us and challenge us and strengthen us. If there's one here today who has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray that he would or she would. Uh, and Lord, for those of us who have trusted you, I pray that we would make a commitment to walk with you and walk in your way and, and serve you. And we thank you for your amazing love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the first thing I want you to see in this passage is uh, from the first two verses, bearing fruit is expected. It is expected. He said, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Bearing fruit is expected. God expects to see fruit in your life. In a little bit, we'll talk about what that fruit might look like, but he expects to see it in your life. It's not like uh, you're fine, but if you get a little fruit, oh, you'll be super fine. God expects fruit from every believer. Imagine a man owning a very large vineyard, and it's filled with vines, and he's walking along through the vines. Have you ever been in a vineyard? And uh, I love to see him up over the hills, and, and, and you walk down through the vineyard, and, and there's branches growing everywhere, and, and if they find one that doesn't have fruit, 
they tr chase that back to the trunk of the vine and they cut it off because it's worthless. It's not bearing fruit. And so they remove that. He expects fruit. And God expects fruit in your life. The second thing is that bearing fruit is painful. Bearing fruit is painful. See, there's two parts to the pruning. There's the pruning where you cut off the branch that's not working. And by the way, in this passage, a couple times Jesus said they'll take that branch and they'll throw it in the fire. He's not saying you will lose your salvation and go to hell. He's talking about a branch and vines. And, and when that's not working, they cast it aside. And so if you're not walking with the Lord, remember Paul said, I, I uh, discipline my body lest I should be uh, put on a shelf, so to speak, and lest I'd be cast aside. He, you don't go to hell. In fact, Hebrews 12 says disobedient children get disciplined by God, but he doesn't disown them. Human beings sometimes disown their kids. God never disowns his kids. So when the, the branch is being cast aside, it's worthless, it's useless. And there are worthless, useless Christians who are not growing in the Lord, not maturing in the Lord. And so God just kind of sets them aside. He doesn't work through them. He's not ministering in their life and through their life. But the goal is to, to bear fruit. And so the first part of the pruning is you cut off the branches that are no good. The branches that are not producing fruit, you set them aside and then the vine works through the other branches. Because if, if you have, say, five branches coming off a trunk, and some of them have many more, but five branches coming off the trunk, and one branch is not producing any fruit, but that branch is still taking all the nutriments, all the life out of the trunk and down that branch, but that branch is not producing fruit, so you now have four branches that are getting less from the trunk. So you cut off the one branch, and then the four branches each get a bunch more that would have gone to that fifth branch, but it wasn't producing fruit. But then you even go down when they're pruning. What do you see? Can you see in that picture there's somebody with some pruning shears, and they're cutting off that little... You go down and you cut the little... You, you cut the leaves away. Because when the grapes are growing, uh, uh, they don't grow well in shade. That's why you don't see many grape vines in Seattle. Because uh, Seattle has lots of cloud cover. You see lots of grape vines in California where there's not so much cloud cover. And so you go, the, the grapes need sunlight. And so they'll go along the grapevine and they'll snip. And they'll snip and they'll cut away the leaves so now the grapes can see the sun better. And, and actually, for thousands of years of human history, it was all done by hand with a hand shear like that. But uh, now, about 10 years ago, they, got this, they invented this little robot. And this robot rides down the branch and it takes a bunch of pictures and it, it, it extrapolates and it trims. And I guess it's working, but... Uh, it, it's pretty weird looking little thing that goes down the grapevines. And grapes were harvested by hand up until the early 60s. 
And now they have machines that harvest and it's supposed to be cheaper and you have less bruising in the grapes. I don't know. I love grapes, though. So vines produce, it left on their own, a vine will grow wild. A vine will just grow, grow, grow. They'll just keep growing, keep adding, keep You'll have splits off the branch of the vine and, and it'll just keep going and spreading and, and taking over and uh, left on its own. So you have to trim it so that the growth produces the fruit, which is the purpose of the vine. So cutting away branches that do not produce fruit, trimming away leaves that block the sunlight, God does some pruning in your own life. See, the, the passage here in Scripture says, in verse 2, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or cuts off, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So here's the deal. Either way, you're going to get cut. God's going to cut you off, or he's going to cut in and cut away the stuff that's stopping the fruit that he wants to see. So uh, what does God's pruning look like? Well, sometimes it can look like a door shut in your face. Maybe you saw God's leading a certain direction. So you're following that leading and you're sure it's the Lord and things are going and, and you're moving. All of a sudden it's like somebody slams a door in your face. It suddenly stops. Now, if we went around the room, we could, at least all of the adults here, could share some story where they were sure this was the right thing, and then it stopped. God shut a door. That's one way of pruning. Sometimes it's uh, friends that move away or move on. How many of you had somebody who once was a really close friend, and now they're not? No? Right, if they're sitting in this room, stand up and point at them. No, okay, don't do that. Don't do that, all right? But, but, you know, sometimes you lose friends. They were really close, and you shared life, and, and now you don't. Now, what really hurts is when they're family, and that happens, uh, but it hurts to lose a friend, too. And it's hard when they move away, but it's even worse when they move on. If they're still around, but they've moved away from you, that's harder. It's easier when they move away. But... Sometimes it'll be health difficulties that will cause you to redirect your life and your energy. Anybody in here have any kind of health issue in the last year, in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. John just had a little bout with COVID, no big deal, you know. Um, actually, John said as far as COVID troubles went, he had it pretty easy. So a lot easier than his mom did earlier. Uh, and, and I appreciate the Mollett family stayed away till they were COVID-free for a couple of weeks, and then they came back with us. Anna's over teaching the children's church right now. Sometimes the, the pruning can be a heartbreak, a heartbreak that drives you to your knees and deepens your relationship with the Lord. And we need to understand that pruning involves losses, Always, God's cutting something away. So bearing fruit is painful because pruning is necessary, but our connection, to the, our connection to the vine is strengthened and our relationship with God is strengthened because of the pruning. 
So uh, here's something I wrote a long time ago. We grow the deepest in the storms and hardships of life when we desperately need the Lord and seek Him with our heart and soul. Uh, like Abraham Lincoln said many, many years ago, there have been many times I was driven to my knees because I was convinced there was no place else I could go. We get desperate, and in that desperation, we cry out to God, and we draw closer to Him, and God has pruned something away, and God has created or allowed that pain in our life that draws us closer to Him. And then we're like grabbing on to, picture if we were the branch and He was the vine, then we're grabbing onto that vine and trying to hold on. Here's the third thing about bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is natural to the one who is connected to the true vine. It's natural. Look at verse 4 again. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. The the bearing fruit is natural to the one who's connected to the Lord. If you're trying, not just trying, but if you have developed the the discipline of pursuing the Lord on a regular basis. I started to say daily, uh, but it's actually more often than that, isn't it? You can get wake up Monday morning, be absolutely committed to the Lord today, and by Monday afternoon, you're thinking about work or school or all kinds of other church, other things, you know, uh, even in working at the church, there's administration and there's other stuff that takes place, and, and you can get distracted from really focusing on the Lord, so you have to correct your life back to Him. It's kind of like driving your car. You know, in the old movies... Some of you kids go, go back and watch some of the old black and white movies. And they show somebody driving down the road. They're holding a steering wheel. And, and those of you who've watched those, what are they doing in the movie? They're doing this, driving down the road. Do you know why they're doing that? Because they're not on the road. They're, they're sitting in a car in a studio while the screen behind them shows stuff going on behind them. And they're just doing this thing to make it look like they're driving down the road. But the truth is, you can't just get in your lane and, all right, I'm good. I'm heading to Tucson. You'd end up in the ditch down there because the road doesn't go perfectly straight. And even when the road is straight, there's a road through Louisiana. It runs straight through the state. But that road has pots and dips and moot. And if you're not constantly making adjustments, we understand that when we're driving a car. We need to understand that in our life too. Constantly correcting back to the Lord. A regular process of our daily lives. So whenever you see a vine, you expect to see fruit on the branches and so does God. And as long as the branch is connected to the vine, the fruit will continue to grow. That's what vines do. And if you abide in Christ, his fruit will grow in your life. So what does that fruit look like? Well, when Kathy and I were newlyweds, well, even before that, I was involved in a church and our pastor used to always say, the fruit of another believer 
Uh, the fruit of a believer is another believer. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. We all had to be soul winners out there every week trying to lead people to the Lord. We should share Christ all the time. But I think that his view of fruit was very limited. It was limited to one aspect, and I think there's three. Three types of fruit bearing that God wants to see in your life. Here's the first one. The fruit of discipleship. Growing deeper with the Lord. Maturing in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, you cultivate your relationship to abide in Him. We just read verses 4 and 5, the end of verse 5. Um, neither The end of verse 5, without me you can do nothing. And you need to be connected with the Lord and growing in the Lord and maturing in Him. So you have a partnership with Him. And there's certain things you do to grow with the Lord. Look at the beginning of verse 7. Beginning of verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You learn his word. You let his word into your daily life. Now I, I started to think through, you know, how many of you, I started to ask this for you to answer. All right. I don't want you to answer. This is what's called a rhetorical question. You just think about it. Don't answer this. How many of you have a daily discipline of reading and listening to God through his word? See, we need to grow and mature in our understanding of God. And this is the tool he chose to make that happen. God is God, right? He could have made videos back when Adam and Eve were in the garden. God knew the technology. He could have made it happen. He chose the word. For a couple thousand years, it was the spoken word, and then it became the written word, and now we're anchored to the written word. We learn God's word, and we partner with him in prayer. So we meditate on it. We're learning and growing in our understanding of it. We're drawing closer to him. His words abide in you. Not just that you get them up here, but they actually take root in you. His words abide in your heart and life. So tell me a verse that has really helped you in your relationship with the Lord. Some verse you were reading in 2020 that really resonated with you. Anybody? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in Him. He's going to direct your path. Follow Him. Did we need to do that this year? There, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, we need the absolute truth, and, and we've got it right here. God has given it to us. We, we learn His Word. And uh, I've shared many times before that Psalm 4610, that be still and know that I am God. That verse has helped me so many times. Uh, and uh, even this, this last year, uh, uh, different things come up and you just got to calm down, take a breath. One of the best things the medical doctors ever did for me was teach me how to do Lamaze breathing with my wife while she was expecting a baby. And I still use that breathing technique <laughs> to help calm down and chill out and just trust in the Lord. So I deep breathe and I meditate on a couple of those verses. 
See, we're partnering him with, with him in prayer. And so we're sharing our heart and our life. And, and our prayer requests get filtered through his desire and his will and his plans. See, verse 7 continues. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, what you desire, and it shall be done for you. It doesn't mean like, I'm a believer, so I can just ask the Lord for a Cadillac, and it'll be there in the parking lot. It doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. And besides, I wouldn't ask for a Cadillac. I'd, I'd want an H2 or something like that, but in a quad cab pickup truck, probably. But uh, you always used to be the Harley. <laughs> I always wanted a Harley. Uh, but uh, I can't ride anymore. So the, the fruit of discipleship, growing with the Lord, is letting his word really take root in us. So it's not how many verses you memorize in your head. It's how many verses live in your heart. That's what counts. The fruit of discipleship, growing and maturing with him. And then also not just learning his word, but choosing to trust and follow him every day. You know, uh, there was a, a wife talked to her husband and she said, honey, you never tell me you love me. He said, remember 20 years ago when we stood up in church and I said, I do? I still do. If I don't, I'll let you know. <laughs> now, she wants to hear a whole lot more than that, right? We want to say it all the time. And, and every day we make a commitment to follow the Lord. It's not like I got saved way back when and everything's great. No, we have bumps and bruises and sores and, and accidents and we stray and we grow and we mature. But Satan and his demons are trying to distract you, to disturb you, even to devour or destroy you. But you choose to trust the Lord and you follow him and you serve him every day. A commitment you make every day. So you are partnering with him by ministering to other people. You're his work. This is part of the fruit of discipleship. You're now serving in some way. And if you're not serving to help somebody else, then get involved. Serve. Help. It, what was Ben talking about earlier? You can help with the landscaping needs at the church. Take some turns mowing. And if you're not terribly allergic to the grass, then, then mow. And I think mostly it's men who do that. But if any of you ladies love mowing, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't say no. So you can help with that. I know some do. Uh, some really enjoy that. But here's a, another part of the fruit of discipleship. Uh, look at verse 11. Verse 11. Uh, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So, if you would not describe yourself as a joyful person, you need to step a little closer to the Lord. If the people you live with, or next door to you, or have lunch with, if they would not describe you as a joyful person... Maybe you need to step a little closer to the Lord because his joy spills over. Now, we're going to have grumpy moments. Some people are more prone to it than others. 
Some people almost have what we psychologically call the Eeyore, you know. Oh, it's a bad day, you know. Doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery, right? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And all the older people are like, oh, I know what that's from. And all the younger people are like, what is wrong with pastor today? Well, I wish I knew. Sorry, I know. But, but listen, as we walk with the Lord, he brings joy in our lives. Joy in the midst of difficulty. Joy because of his presence in us. So if you don't feel like you're becoming more joyful as you walk with the Lord longer, then the problem isn't the Lord, it's you. And the fruit of discipleship is your relationship with God that's on the inside spills over on the outside. And people can see the evidence of you walking with God. And you can experience and feel the evidence of walking with God. Here's the second type of fruit. Take your Bibles and turn over to Galatians uh, chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. And uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit working in us, and there's nine facets of the fruit of the Spirit, but it's only one fruit. And if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, these nine characteristics are going to show up more often in your life. And we'll look at this more at five o'clock this afternoon, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. But, but look what he says in verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular fruit. When the Holy Spirit's in you, this fruit is going to show up in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It shows up in these nine things. And it's not like, oh, you get all filled up with love, and then now you move on to joy, and then now you move on to peace. No, it's supposed to be all happening at once. I like to picture it as spokes of a wheel. And, and you got nine spokes coming off. And if all the spokes are working right, your wheel is true and round. And if one, one spoke is messed up, your wheel can get out of round. And the more weight that's put on that wheel with one spoke that's messed up, then it's going to kathunk. Have you ever driven in a car that had a bad wheel and kathunk, kathunk, kathunk until you could get the wheel replaced? Or on a bicycle, kathunk, kathunk, because it's, it's not fully round well, the food, fruit of the Spirit, you're supposed, it's supposed to be rounded out in your life. You're supposed to be experiencing this as you listen to and are led by the Holy Spirit. Your responses to the stresses of life become more spiritual simply as a byproduct of walking with the Lord and learning from the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that a little more at 5 o'clock tonight. Here's the third area of the fruit of the Spirit, and this is the fruit of outreach. The fruit of outreach. This is where you uh, win other people to the Lord. It's sometimes called soul winning. I don't like to use that phrase because I believe there's only one soul winner, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. We sow, 
We water, God gives the increase. So the increase is always the Lord's. Um, but I read about a pastor who made a goal to read, lead one person to the Lord every day. And so he bragged that over the course of seven years, he'd led more than 2,500 people to the Lord. I think you can talk people into saying a prayer. But, but your role, if your goal is to get them to say that prayer, then you're hindering what the Holy Spirit's doing. Your goal is get them to listen to the Holy Spirit so when the Holy Spirit urges them to trust Christ, they do. Jesus said in uh, John 6, 44, um, unless the Father is drawing him, no one can come to him. No man can trust the Lord unless God the Father is drawing him. It's not appropriate for you to try and talk people into it, but it's also not appropriate for you to keep your mouth shut. You should share God's truth. You should encourage them. And, and you can encourage somebody to believe and trust in the Lord without talking them into it. First uh, Corinthians clearly says the increase or the fruit comes from God, First Corinthians 3. So there was a mom uh, that Kathy and I knew years ago, and she was talking to her little boy about the Lord and she really wanted him to trust Christ. Why? But you want the people you love to trust Christ, right? So she really wanted him to trust Christ. So she went over the plan of salvation, and, and then she went over it again. And, and then she said, now, would you like to, to ask Jesus to be your Savior? He said, you know what I really want to do? He wanted to go to some store so he could go buy some stuff at some store. Was it, was it Piggly Wiggly? Pick and say, go to, he really wanted to go to pick and say. She was a little disappointed. Now, what should she do? Well, she should talk to him again about it another time. And then later on, another time. But there are a lot of kids who made a profession because people kind of pressured them. But it didn't change their life. I was one of those kids. My older sister came in my room at night and shook me awake and said, if I didn't trust Christ, I was going to die and go to hell and burn in the flames and never see mom and dad again. I, man, I said a prayer just so I could sleep at night. But it didn't change my life. There was no repentance and receiving of Christ. It was just a prayer that I said. And then when I actually, led by the Holy Spirit, submitting to uh, Jesus being drawn by the Father when I prayed and trusted Christ, then it changed my life. Saying a prayer doesn't save your life. Believing in Jesus does. And you have to allow God to be God. Don't be the pushy person. A lot of people trying to witness to the Lord are like used car salesmen. Man, you've got to have this in your life. If you don't have this, you're going to miss. All that's true, but the way you present it, you have to be a witness for Christ, but you have to allow God to be God. Our goal is to give people the opportunity so that when the Father's drawing him, they can believe. When the Father's drawing her, they can believe. When the Holy Spirit's working in their life, they can respond by faith and trust Christ. And you need to impact other people for Christ, whether it's direct outreach, you knocking on doors, inviting people to church. You need to be involved in impacting other people for Christ. 
helping disciple believers, but the disciple people toward salvation, and then disciple those in Christ. You need to be involved in the process of bearing fruit for Christ through your ministry to other people. So, as a church, Victory Baptist Church was started uh, earlier, but it was officially legally organized in 1973. And uh, we've seen many people saved through our ministries. We help support uh, missions around the world. We've got a map of some of the missionaries uh, back there that we help to support. And we reach people in other parts of the world. We're helping support Bible colleges and seminaries that train people for ministry. And in several countries, we're helping support those schools. And uh, we have a worldwide impact through this church. Even though the church isn't large, our heart for the Lord is. And we just recently had a special offering and, and raised uh, more than $5,500 to help the Raju family and their ministries in India because their international support might get cut off in a few months. So early this month, we're sending a check for their whole support for 2021, and we also sent that extra love offering at Christmas. Hopefully, God will intervene, and they'll be able to keep getting international support, but they live in a country that's antagonistic toward Christians. So what personal fruit do you have? in the fruit of outreach. What are you doing? Not just helping support through our church ministries. Like, here's something you could practice. You can listen to people and really try and sense their spiritual needs. Quite often, people will open up to you if you're listening. If they think you're not listening, they're not going to bother sharing. But if you're listening... People will open up and sometimes they'll share a need and as you listen to that need, then you'll be able to take the truth you know from God's word and speak God's truth into that need in their life and help them on their journey toward Christ or their journey in Christ. You need to talk to people about Christ and you can share with them how he met those spiritual needs in your own life. You need to offer to pray with people. You know, when I was a business manager and when I was in the Marine Corps, I worked with a lot of unsaved people. And as a pastor now, the, the, the only problem person I work with is Megan. Uh, <laughs> and she's a believer. But, uh, you know, um, she, she got to complain about her boss one Sunday night and brought the house down. It took a while before we could get the message going again. Uh, but, but, you know, the truth is uh, you, you, a lot of you work with unsaved people. And I worked with unsaved people um, a lot of my adult life and in the Marine Corps and, and as a business manager. And sometimes I would just ask for people, ask them if I could pray for them. You know, one guy was a diehard atheist. He was very offended that I would ask uh, him if I could pray for him. And, and I told him, I didn't mean to offend you. You know, I pray for people. And I will pray for you. I was just asking if you had specific things. And you don't. I'm okay with that. That's fine. But you're not going to stop me from praying for you. And, but most of the people said yes. In fact, sometimes at the end of a shift when I worked in the front office, but we had a manufacturing plant there, and, and they would come up 
and some of the guys, they, they, they couldn't come into the office, but they could talk to the receptionist and ask if she could get a hold of me. And then I would go out and I would meet them in the plant. And they would, sometimes they would want me to pray for them right there. And so I would. One when a coworker was in the hospital and having some difficulties, she had her husband call me and say, can you come to the hospital and pray with us? Just offering to pray with people. It's, it's not, by the way, that lady that I prayed with in the hospital there, years later, she trusted Christ and contacted me. After I was already pastoring here in this church, she contacted me to thank me for witnessing to her way back when we worked together. You're, you're knocking down barriers. And you can pray with people. You can offer to give them a ride to church. You could even, you know, do a friendly bribe. Say, I'll take you to church and buy your lunch. Maybe you can't take them out to lunch now with COVID going on. I think there's a lot of restaurants open, but whatever. The early church, they dedicated their lives to the Lord and the church grew mightily. They were maturing disciples, showing God's love, sharing God's truth, and God brought forth much fruit. You need to work on the fruit of discipleship, the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of outreach. Because God wants you to have fruit, verse 2, and more fruit, and much fruit, John 15, verse 8. Much fruit brings glory to the Father, being fruitful bring, brings glory to God and brings joy in your own heart. God wants you to have a fruitful life and ministry. He wants, expects, and plans for you to have a fruitful life and ministry. So we're doing this series on mission possible. It's not impossible. It once was impossible, but now you're walking with the omnipotent one who can make all things possible. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the way you work in our hearts and lives. We thank you that the Father drew us to salvation. We thank you there were people who were focusing on the fruit of outreach, who shared your truth with us. And we thank you that you gave us your word so that we could learn exactly how to be saved and that we could learn to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, sometimes we fail you. And you're very aware of that and we're mostly aware of that. So we ask that you would make us more aware of the way in which we disappoint you or sadden you or grieve you or... or uh, deny you. Show us, Lord. Help us to become fruitful and joyful in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.